Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. With 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody, it's Sam with Pro Wrestling Overtime. And I have been telling you that I've wanted to do this episode for, what, four weeks now? I haven't been able to find time because somehow, some way, I thought, well... Maybe this topic is more important than Bloodsport 6. I'll tell you, I took my time. I rewatched it today. I uh, got home and thought, you know, I, I know my notes are good, but maybe I'll miss something talking to them about these 12 matches that happened on Bloodsport 6. Happened April the 8th at Ybor City, which is part of Tampa at the, um, I believe the Cuban Bar is the name of it. Cuban something. Um, you would have thought that I would have wrote that down at one time or another. But this card was excellent. I've watched all of the blood sports, loved them all. For different reasons. But this one was the first one out of Bloodsport 4 and Bloodsport 5 were at undisclosed locations and had no crowd. It was in a kind of what appeared to be a, a, a warehouse. This, like I said, was in the back of a bar in Ybor City. And there were a lot of fans in attendance compared to uh, Jimmy Lloyd's Degeneration F. And even the Acid Cup both days didn't draw as well as Bloodsport 6. And let me tell you, the crowd, there might have been 500 to 1,000 fans there. Maybe. They were so loud and it was so awesome so let's kind of get into the card i'm going to go through a couple of the matches kind of quickly because let me tell you the last probably five maybe six matches on this card were just unbelievable guys like i said i watched it today you can still watch this, and I hope 
that if you've never seen Bloodsport, that you get hooked on it like I do. Now, I have to admit to you, I do like some death matches. Depends on who the who it is. I always enjoyed Darby Allens. I always enjoyed who is now John Moxley. Nick Gage, um, who you're going to see, I guess, on the next dark side of the ring. But then there's other matches that I felt were really weirdly put together for it to be a death match. Bloodsport, however, the matches on this card, like I said, were unbelievable. Now, the first match out was Janae Kai versus KZT Karen Tran. And I had never seen Kai. So I was kind of interested in her a little bit. She was taller than KZT, but KZT appeared to be stronger. Uh, definitely was more experienced. Kept countering a lot of her stuff. Uh, but Kai, really in the beginning of the match, to me, seemed to be pretty much controlling it. So, I think it was a shock to the crowd that after the halfway point, KZT just was countering and countering and countering and countering and eventually countered her right into a roll-up armbar and Janae, it took about a second and a half for her to tap and so KZT won the first match. And then, of course, we got Matt Mankowski versus Hedy Karuhi. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. He was on the French Greco-Roman national team. His background is totally in wrestling, although he has been trying to shore up some of his weaknesses, which is obviously striking. Now, Matt Malinkowski, if you guys don't know who he is, he's an MMA fighter. He fought in Bellator, and he's known as Weapon X, uh, and that's how I remember him. I don't always remember his last name. I think it's because it's so hard to pronounce, but when he gets in the ring and makes the X above his head or they announce Weapon X, then I'm like, oh, I have seen them before. This is going to get good. And I was really shocked. I had talked to different people, and Eddie uh, Karu had all of this Greco-Roman experience. I thought he took down Matt fairly easily. I don't know if that's good or bad. But he spent a lot of time wanting to strike with him. And I just didn't understand that. If your strength is on the ground, get him on the ground as fast as possible, and let's go. 
However, when he would get him on the ground, Matt was appeared to be faster than him. He took a shot, and I mean Matt, took a shot to his head and face area on a kick, and I thought his head had come off his shoulders. It was so hard. But, no, he came right back after him. He ended up suplexing him and immediately went to an armbar submission. And Hedy Karui um, tapped out. So we'd had two matches, two tap outs, two arm bars. And I had a funny, funny feeling that when they started announcing the third match, yeah, it wasn't going to be an arm bar. It was Bad Dude Tito versus the Savage Gentleman, Victor Benjamin. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you. I've seen the Savage Gentleman a couple times. I know it's him only because they call him the same Savage Gentleman, and he is escorted by Lady Frost most of the time. But I never can remember Victor Benjamin. By Dude Tito, I have seen on numerous blood sports. Uh, have seen him in some pro wrestling matches, but not a lot. I mostly know him from blood sport. This uh, Victor Benjamin kind of controlled the match, but it just as it always seemed by Tito was getting into some kind of situation, whether it be a submission or Victor was hitting him continuously. Bad dude Tito always got out of it. And I had seen this before, but I had seen it with Super Beast, and Super Beast finally just put him down. But... This wasn't a bad match. It it wasn't boring for the simple fact of back and forth and bad Tito getting out of things. And he did that. He got an inside heel lock on Victor Benjamin and he tapped out. So bad Tito continued, you know, mostly winning in blood sports. For the fourth match, we had Simon Grimm versus Alexander James. Alexander James is a German I had never saw before, but really was impressed with. For it being his debut, and for him coming in, I think thinking he knew a lot, I didn't think he showed bad. Simon Grimm, I was worried about him when he walked out. And here's why. He lost his last match. He's lost quite a few matches. And he's a veteran that should be winning a lot more than what he is. And I, I was feeling like he was losing his confidence. And that's the 
whole thing is that when he walked to the ring, I didn't feel that he was remotely confident. And I thought, if I was betting on this, I think I would take Alexander James, even though I haven't seen him. Well, I had no worries. This was a fairly quick match. Simon Grimm didn't look great. He looked better than what he had previously. And he got Alexander James in a triangle and then did a double wrist lock, and he immediately tapped out. Number five, I was really looking forward to. Um, the West Coast Wrecking Ball of Royce Isaacs, who I usually root for. Now, I have to say, I usually root for it because he was taken on Alex Coughlin, and... He has committed himself to the L.A. Dojo, and he is now on New Japan Strong. He is an MMA fighter. I think he is wonderful. He has totally impressed me in blood sports, in New Japan Wrestling. I think somebody needs to go out there and sign him. Yes, I know that he is having neck issues. But he also has has fought through them, taken time off, healed, semi-re-injured, and continued to fight through it. Took a little time off, healed. So, this was a rematch that Alex Coughlin asked for. I can't remember whether they fought in Bloodsport 4 or Bloodsport 5. But Royce Isaacs took it to him. He really concentrated on his neck. Alex Coughlin said before the match that his neck was bothering him, that he was having issues with it. Royce Isaacs found that out and just immediately went after it. If you see anyone from the LA Dojo that has not graduated yet, because Alex has not, then, or if you watch New Japan Wrestling, then you know one of the LA Dojo's, I guess, favorite moves is, I guess, how I would characterize it. You see them all using it and working on their technique, working on getting down very low, is the single-leg Boston Crab. This is what Alex Coughlin used to win. However, I loved it. He put the twist on it of using also a heel lock. And Royce Isaacs just didn't didn't even stand a chance in this. And I I kind of enjoyed that. Then, we absolutely had, until the last match, which we all knew was going to get crazy, the number six my, uh, match of the night was absolutely the craziest 
Bloodsport match I've seen. And one of the craziest, bigger promotion matches I've ever seen. It was Shellac versus Super Beast. If you not ever heard of or seen Super Beast, encourage you to Google tattoos all over the place, uh, high boots, and a mask. Jacked like you wouldn't believe. This match was really Shellac wanting to take over, wanting to show his power, wanting to show off, and Super Beast just kind of clubbing him down. At one point, they stood toe-to-toe and just traded blows until Super Beast hit him with a body shot and then just wore him out. He Shellac started bleeding, which when he saw his own blood, I believe set him off. I'm not sure why. I would think that if you had rated high enough to be on Bloodsport, especially number six, and to take on Super Beast, that you would have had a little experience. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But it seemed like when he started bleeding, he just went crazy. He tried to attack Super Beast. He didn't care what he was walking into, which a lot of times was punches. But he absolutely went crazy. They were on the ground. He was trying to get a hill lock on Super Beast. And Shalak actually bit him. Not only did he bite Super Beast on the leg, he bit him also through. Now I'm emphasizing that to make sure you get it. Through his boot. He actually ripped, bit, whatever you want to call it, his boot and bit him through his boot causing Super Beast to bleed. Would not let go. The referee gave him a warning. He didn't let go. The referee disqualified him. Wouldn't let him go. The referee tried to shove him off. He would not let him go. So he is literally locked on to Super Beast's leg like a pit bull that would not give up. Or another uh, example I probably should have used is like a gator. They will, they clamp on and they will not let loose. Other referees came in the ring and tried to break them up. Other wrestlers from the back 
came out, tried to break them up. They did eventually break them up. That's when they definitely knew, number one, Super Beast was bleeding. It was through his boot and above his boot. And that Super Beast was pissed. He tried to immediately go after Shalak. Shalak actually got away from whoever was holding him and tried to go nuts again. They ended up having to tell Super Beast to go to the back. And they kept Shalak out there trying to calm him down before they escorted him into a different door. I don't know whether they kept him apart. I don't know whether he went wild back there. They didn't tell us. But I do wish they would have gave us some kind of update. Now, the number seven match was the one that knew started basically the main card. And I actually wanted to see this match. It was Allison K, which I think all of you know um, started in MMA, now is in pro wrestling. And a lot of people are wanting her to sign in many different places. However, she has a thing about blood sport. She really enjoys it. And I have heard rumors about her trying to get back into the MMA or even get into the bare knuckle fighting uh, thing. So I, I don't really know what to believe. Now, she took on Masha Slamovich, who is Russian. I had never heard of her. Um... This, I didn't feel, was that great of a fight. Um, it ended up after numerous strikes, after strikes, after strikes of her getting Salamovich, Salamovich, sorry, uh, in a triangle and submitting. So it wasn't as big a deal as what I thought. The eighth fight I also was curious about. Leo Rush, first time in Bloodsport, was taken on Yoha. I had heard of him. He is from uh, Asia and I'm sorry I can't remember which country. I want to say it's Japan. I don't know. So I'm not going to say anything. But I have been watching Leo Rush since he's, he got let go by WWE. He is currently the AAA Cruiserweight Champion. He is the MLW Middleweight Champion. He is in New Japan Strong. Trying to think if he's shown up anywhere else recently. I don't think so. He's now in Bloodsport and 
there are like two other times during the collective WrestleMania week that he wrestles. I can tell you, I wasn't expecting anything out of him in Bloodsport. Yeah, I got shocked. He has truly been working on this and training for this. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm still not over my cold, but I can't tell you how impressive he was. He used a lot of grappling. And when I say grappling, it's not WWE get on the floor, do two moves and get up, or fly off the ring or anything. Because if you've ever watched Bloodsport, there are no ring ropes. He got pushed by Yoha um, at one point as he was getting ready for a move. And he just ended up doing a backflip and landing on his feet outside the ring. I don't think he landed real well. So he took about five or six seconds holding onto a chair and kind of looking at the crowd. But he eventually slid into the ring before the 10 count. And after that, I mean, he really wanted to end this thing. And like I said, he used a lot of grappling. He impressed me with the submission techniques that he had. Now, Yoha uh, countered a lot of them. But Leo kept trying, and he ended up using a submission of bending... Yoha's arm behind his head and pushing kind of on his face at the start with his hand and then later with his knee and Yoha just submitted. So Leo Rush won his first match. The ninth match of the night, we got Davy Boy Smith Jr. who was hoping to get a win after... I thought in Bloodsport 5 he got killed by John Moxley. A lot of people said Moxley got lucky. I didn't see it that way. I am not an expert in Bloodsport though. But I know Davies Boy Smith Jr. was down at WrestleMania week. His dad, the British Bulldog, was getting inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. He really wanted, like I said, to get back on a winning streak. And so he took on KTB, which stands for Cow the Beast. Well, Cow the Beast did not know what he was getting himself into. I truly believe that. Yes, he had a couple good punches. He had one decent takedown. But this basically was all Davy Boy. He hit him with a bunch of strikes. I'm not 100% sure he did not hurt him or knock him out then. However, he picked him up and powerbombed him. 
immediately he hit his head uh, on the firebomb. His head hit first. And the referee, and I think everybody there, and I even saw it on TV today, um, knew he was out. And like I said, I don't know that he wasn't out before the firebomb even started. But he was out, out. Davy Boy Smith Jr. won convincingly by knockout. And KTB had issues setting up, just gaining his balance then. And definitely had problems getting up and standing. And it was a reality check, I think, for everybody in the audience that... Whoa, um, you can really get hurt in this. Uh, 10, the, the match number 10, I couldn't help but look forward to. Uh, we had Chavo Guerrero Jr., who I think's probably about 51, maybe 50, 51, taking on Rocky Romero. Now, you have to know Chavo Guerrero Jr. By his last name, Guerrero. Yes, he's Eddie Guerrero's uh, cousin and one of his best friends. And he is the one that found him um, dead in the floor of a heart attack. But he's a third-generation wrestler, and the Guerrero family name is known worldwide. Rocky Romero, I heard him speak. When he was first introduced, I think I first saw him in New Japan. I did not know who, that name. I thought it sounded familiar. He spoke on the mic. When he came out, it was to his own music, and I was like, I know exactly who that is. He is the host of Talking Chop with the Good Brothers. He is on their podcast. Ever since then, I've wanted to watch him. He now is on uh, New Japan Strong, and has recently started wrestling some with MLW. I really wanted to see these two veterans go against each other. Now, I didn't know it that night. I didn't notice it. Um, no one said anything. I didn't know that these guys had a history where they didn't like each other. Watching um, the replay of it tonight... The announcers definitely mentioned that these guys have some bad blood between them, but didn't really go into it. So if you know what the bad blood is between them, write me and tell me because I'm kind of interested. I know I should do the research and be telling you guys, but I just didn't. Sorry. But this was an interesting match. I thought really Rocky being the younger guy would be quicker would really go after Chavo? No. Chavo Jr. 
took it to him. Uh, anytime Rocky really attempted to get him to submit, Chavo Jr. had some kind of counter move. And it was usually pretty impressive. But he ended up getting Rocky Romero picked up. He slammed him, and Rocky Romero ended up landing in the head-neck area. I thought it was more of a neck injury. On the replays that I saw tonight, I'm kind of glad I rewatched it. He's out. He got knocked out. And it was referee stoppage. Chava Guerrero Jr. won. And Rocky took a hard hit. I mean, took a real hard hit. And it's no wonder the ref stopped it because he could not defend himself whatsoever. I'll be honest with you, the co-main event, match number 11, I really wasn't interested in. And I know that sounds absolutely awful. Problem is, is Shane Mercer. He's called the Iron Demon. And of course, a lot of people knew who he was and talked to me about it before I even watched Bloodsport. That he, I guess, is a big, bigger name on the indie circuit. I have never heard of him. As far as I know, I've never seen him. Chris Dickinson, I am very well aware of. The Dirty Daddy, uh, Dirty Dickinson, whatever you want to call him. I saw him in New Japan. He, of course, was against Brody King in New Japan Strong. And all of a sudden, what was it, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, shows up in Ring of Honor as part of Brody King's crew. And so I'm interested in watching his rise in the ranks because this cat is strong. And I do mean strong. Of course, New Japan tapes theirs ahead of time. Ring of Honor does too. Shocked. WrestleMania week, like I said, this is April 8th. He has been working on his cardio. He's got a motor now. Whereas when I saw him in New Japan, he had a tendency sometimes to want to rest or to, you know, blow out. So, no. Not anymore. He has been... He had tremendous cardio this night. He ended up countering things. He used his weight against Shane Mercer. Uh, I didn't see an Iron Demon come out of him. Dickinson ended up catching him with an arm bar. And I thought he was going to break his arm off. But the match... That I wanted to see. The reason why I got in to Bloodsport was because of Josh Barnett. 
He was the UFC, I think he was the heavyweight champ. I'm almost positive. I remember him from that. And when I heard that he was wanting to start this, I immediately wanted to get on board. I missed Bloodsport 1, had to go back and watch it. Bloodsport 2 and 3 I caught at the same time, and I have watched Bloodsport 4, 5, and 6 live. So, um, Josh Barnett, to me, is unbelievable. His nickname is the War Master, and you better believe it. He runs this. It's called Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. And I think everybody now, definitely, in both wrestling and MMA, know who he is. For those of you who don't know, since leaving WWE, not only did John Moxley change his name from Dean Ambrose to John Moxley, he also started working out at Randy Couture's gym in Vegas. He has been trying to learn the grappling game and counters. And you got to see those in Bloodsport 6. <coughs> However, guys, this was a match. It may be the best Bloodsport match I have seen. Because these two guys were... They're friends. Renee Paquette, Renee Young, on her new podcast, Oral Sessions, interviewed Josh Barnett. In it, he talked, and Renee was very talkative uh, and... John Moxley actually joined her on the podcast. They are friends. You can tell. He talked John Moxley. I don't think it took him very long after he said the title was Blood Sport. Uh, but John Moxley is undefeated going into this match. And they fought like crazy. I want to say that I thought John Moxley, until the end, fought a safe fight. I thought he tried to fight like an MMA fighter. The reason why John Moxley does so well in blood sport, probably in wrestling also, is just because he's unorthodox. You never know what he's going to do. What you think an MMA fighter would do. Because he's not trained. He's getting trained. But because he's not trained. Then. He doesn't do what the typical one would do. So I think that has always played a part in it. They're expecting him to go high and he shoots out a leg and kicks their knee or whatever. Um, he doesn't care to brawl. 
And I think it's a little amusing. I think a lot of people in pro wrestling don't understand. His double hook slam, which is what they call it in MMA. Of course, when you watch AEW, you get to hear it called the paradigm shift. It When you do it the way he does it in Bloodsport, you see how devastating it can be. It is done so much faster in MMA and in Bloodsport that it looks like it's in slow-mo when he does it in AEW. And now, after watching him, I think he's been in three matches in Bloodsport or four, I definitely can tell watching AEW how he protects people and how he changes the move. He hit this on Josh Barnett and then immediately went to the Bulldog Choke, which he also uses in AEW. Again, different in Bloodsport, though. When he hit the double hook slam, the paradigm shift, Josh Barnett ended up starting bleeding. Uh, John Moxley hit him with his forearm, and Josh Barnett fell out of the ring. As he was getting up, I think the count was maybe on six, because I'm not 100% sure Josh Barnett would have been able to make it seriously back into the ring by the 10 count. John Moxley didn't want it to end that way, and it was very obvious, because he immediately took off. There's no ropes in a Bloodsport ring, so he didn't have to worry about him. He just flew out of the ring and nailed Josh Barnett. They both laid there catching their breath for a minute, and then Moxley put him back in the ring. Um, Moxley hits him with some strikes, and Barnett, they're on ground and pound. Barnett ends up grabbing Moxley, trying to get a hold on him, and wraps, I guess it would have been his right arm behind Moxley's back. Moxley bit. Yes, you heard me right. Bit Josh Barnett, causing him to loosen his grip, and then Moxley hit him with more strikes. And I thought, this is the end, right here. This this is the end. No. He did nothing but piss Barnett off by biting him. It may have been not only unsanitary and something you're not supposed to do, it's against the rules, uh, but Barnett became livid. It lit a fire in him, and he hit Moxley with an elbow, got him off of him, continued 
hitting him over and over and over with his elbows. Moxley is cut open. And he is bleeding way more than Barnett is. And it is gushing out of Moxley's forehead. However, referee is asking Moxley if he's okay. He answers by flipping John or Josh Barnett off with his middle finger, of course. And Barnett goes wild again. Within a minute, he gets Moxley up in a Death Valley driver, hits it, and because he's still standing, grabs Moxley's left arm and proceeds to kick him in the head and face, I would say eight to ten times, before you totally see Moxley's right arm and hand that he had been holding up saying don't stop this fight just drops Barnett he didn't quit Barnett knocked him out and so the referee stops it Josh Barnett backs up raises his hand as Moxley comes through He doesn't know the referee has stopped it, and he immediately sets up and tries to shove the referee out of the way to get to Barnett. The referee says, look, it's over, and he's like, no, no it's not. He staggers getting up. He staggered. The referee told him to go over to a corner. He staggered getting over there. Once he got over there, he was leaning on a ring post and taunting Josh Barnett that he didn't want to win like that. And he knew he didn't want to win like that. It looked like Barnett was willing to start the fight up again. And the referee was like, no. So he tells both fighters to come to the center of the ring because he wants to raise Josh Barnett's hand. Moxley, number one, was not walking a straight line and then staggered. I thought he was going to end up falling, but uh, the referee grabbed him, held him, and then put Josh Barnett's arm in the air, declaring him the winner. They both hugged shook each other's hand, they both spoke on the mic, thanking the fans, uh, thanking each other, and all of that. There is not a doubt in my mind that these two will have uh, Barnett Moxley 2. I don't know if it'll be a Blood Sports 7. Especially with Renee, I think she's now 35 weeks pregnant. I don't see Bloodsport 7. Maybe they have a rematch. Because I think he'll want to train more for it. Meaning Moxley. I think their rematch will be Bloodsport 8. 
and I think it will sell out wherever it is. Because I think that this next time, Moxley will get him. I think he goes back fighting unorthodox, and it gives Barnett problems. And I think he sees how much he can get to Barnett with all of his little mind games and tricks. So I look for that to be interesting. I absolutely loved this show. Um, none of these guys, other than Barnett and Moxley, really, well, Gore, uh, Guerrero Jr. And, and Romero, had passed with each other. But the stories that were in the ring, you could hear them talking to each other, taunting each other, uh, saying things to the fans. That was one thing Moxley did so well. I think it's his professional wrestling. He is definitely not afraid to talk to the fans. And I just love this. Um, they have not announced Bloodsport 7 as of yet. I look for it to be sometime this summer. So you guys definitely, if you've never seen Bloodsport, you need to watch for Bloodsport 7, and you need to get on it. In the meantime, I encourage you to go back and watch Bloodsports 1 through 6. Do not watch number 6 first, because if you... Watch number six first, and you go back to the very first blood sport. You're gonna be like, "Ah, oh, this this kind of sucks." No, if you watch them in order, you see how much better they get with camera angles, with the fighters they get, and how they put matches together and stuff like that. But if you're only gonna watch one, please watch Blood Sport Six because between Alex Kaufman, uh, Simon Grimm, uh, Ash, uh, Ali, Allison Kay, and Davy Sport, uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr., Leo Rush. You got to see Rocky Romero and, and Chavo Jr., Super Beast was good, uh, Chris Dickinson. And then the main event was definitely worth it. So, Guys, I encourage you, watch Bloodsport 6. If you get into death matches, start at Bloodsport 1 and just watch them all. They're about two, two and a half, three hours long. Uh, you can look at them before you watch them. But, I mean, they are well worth it. And I am truly very excited about it, if you can't tell by my, by my voice, for Bloodsport 7. Guys, if you have any questions, comments, problems, or protests, you can write me, prowrestlingot at gmail.com. On Twitter, my handle is proovertime. That's two O's, proovertime. DMs are open if you need to ask me a question that you don't want on the board. Or um, you've never seen a blood sport or a death match and don't really understand them. You can write me that. Um, you can hit me up on DMs. It doesn't matter. Instagram. Pro Wrestling Overtime. Again, DMs are open. Hit me up. And then on Facebook. The page 
is wrestling overtime. The group is all pro wrestling all the time. Both you guys can do. You also, from what I understand from a person who wrote me the other day, you can go to the wrestling overtime page. You do not have to like it. You do not have to join it or whatever Facebook terminology they're using today. You just have to hit message and you can get me on messenger. Guys, if I'm busy or I'm on the phone, you may have to wait, I don't know, an hour for me to to get back to you on messenger. But once I'm actually there, I will talk to you in real time. Or I'll tell you, uh, I'm on the phone, Can um, it'll be another 10 minutes. If you'll wait, then I, I can talk back and forth to you in real time. No, we're not videoing. But anyway, um, guys, I will talk to you guys soon, and I wish you the best of luck, and I'll see you down the road. Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.